Hello and welcome to yet another wonderful episode of The Underpaid and The Underqualified with your host Vince and my good friend, on again, off again lover, Ja. Hi. How's it going, Ja? I'm doing well. It's great. Um, I mean, minus the holiday season, I mean, I've never been the biggest fan of the holiday season per se, but all I can say is right now at the moment, I'm content with it, mostly just because I'm done with school. I mean, <laughs> for the winter break. I thought you were so, going to say holiday in a pandemic. That's like the best way you can deal with people in the holidays because how not crowded it is in the stores and whatnot. I mean, never, I generally don't go out. So it's like, all right, what's the difference? That's true. You seem like the type that orders everything Cyber Monday and like doesn't have to worry about anything else after that. No. So when Black Friday started like moving away from doorbusters and such like that, I was extremely ecstatic because then I didn't have to worry about like going in the store, getting doorbusters. I mean, like, no matter what, those are going to be the better sales for Black Friday, but it's like most of it for the most part now is like online. I don't have to worry about that. Yeah, that's true. I ordered like all my stuff online. I have a white elephant gift party I'm supposed to go to tonight and I'm like nervous. The, the package that I have, it hasn't arrived yet, but I'm super proud of it. It's like the gift I'm most proud of of anything. Oh yeah, no, I have a um, Secret Santa later tonight and I guess I can share like what I bought because I'm not posting this for another like 12, 24 hours. Yeah, same here. Yeah. So like for me, it's like I got a um, what did I get? Okay, so my friend who's like a big plant person right now, and because she's an amazingly wonderful person, I'm like, all right, you know what? I'm gonna overspend and buy like your two more like harder to get or your because we're using a platform called Elfster, and right now I'm name plugging. So Elfster, please sponsor us. Thank you. <laughs> Anyways, so we're using that platform, and you can put wish lists, and what you put was like most wanted these moss mesh balls or something i don't know it's like an aquatic thing huh. um it's like a plant mosh, heard, me, moss mess bowl or mosh <laughs> moss like the plant moss mesh or bowl. something like kind of a mesh. tongue twister yeah it's it's a little i don't know really what it is i i guess it's like decorations for like fish like if you have an aquarium okay but i know she doesn't have an aquarium so i don't know why she wants it <laughs> whatever right. anyway so like that was something that she really wanted and the other yeah, thing was like this I'm just imagining you giving it to her. Just like, I have no idea what this is. You wanted it. Here you go. I don't know what it is. <laughs> just dropping it off. I did Amazon order, deliver, boom, done. No, anyway. So then the other thing that she uh, wanted was like this ice cream plant thing or something. Ice cream bean plant. It's like a tree or some shit. Mm, that sounds pretty cool. Ice cream bean fruit. Yeah, ice cream bean fruit. Like when you look at it, it's like, it doesn't look anything like ice cream. Huh. And it looks like. I don't know what I'm looking at. <laughs> I'm just confused. <laughs> Anyways, cool. I'm gonna Google this. Hold up, standby. <laughs> it's you like get for... the actual plant, like to your place. Or so she linked a uh, local seller, and I, I Facebook messaged her, and it was a little sketch. But like, she was like, "Hey, I take payment on Venmo," and I'm like, "Okay, if you're really sketch paying you, can I like wait till the day of, kind of thing, or whatever?" And I waited till the day of before I can go pick it up when I have the time. So I messaged her, hey, Venmo. And then when I went to her Venmo, I'm like, this is you, right? Yes. Uh, and I looked at some of her past payments. They're all plants, plants, plants. Oh, I guess that you're known for selling plants and taking Venmo. So I guess you're reliable. Poison Ivy over here. So like, yeah. So I bought, I purchased it from her. It was in Sketch. It was like a freaking tree. Like it was like um, either my height or taller. You bought that for this person as a yeah. gift that they're going to get tonight? Yeah. yeah. And so like, um what i what happened what did i do 
Oh, so like I got really lucky because um she was going to sell it for 60, right? And then I was kind of playing dumb because like when I first messaged her, I wrote, Hey, you're selling this for 50 to 60, right? And she's like, Yes. And then when I messaged her again, like to pay her, I was like, Hey, this is for 50 bucks, right? She's <laughs> like, I saw it for 60, but I'll take 50. Cool. Cause you kind of didn't confirm with me to begin with. Did she <laughs> What if she switched it? I, I said 50, but I'll take 60. <laughs> you can pay me $10 more if you want. But no, so like, I mean, actually, now that I think about it, it's like, was I being was, was I being an asshole about it? I was like, no, actually, I wasn't. You know, honestly, I'm not <laughs> sure. I think I'm just surprised that you would pay $50 more because knowing you, I feel like you're so <laughs> conservative on money. I'm just I'm like that. My takeaway in that story is Josh spent $50 on a gift. <laughs> well, no, our, our limit was 50. I spent 70. Damn, that's even more surprising. Yeah, our, the white elephant I'm doing today is just $20. Well, actually, we never set a formal, like, cost on the white elephant that I'm doing, but I just assumed $20 in my mind. I don't know. $20 seems like a nice number, well, right? I mean, white elephant is a little bit different, right? Because it's not Sick or Santa. Because, like, because it's Sick or Santa, you're getting some, you know who you're getting, and they you want to be happy for them, right? Whereas white elephant, it's a little bit more, you have the flexibility to get a gag gift, but then also then it comes out to, so one year we had white elephant. We tried it instead of Sick or Santa. Mm-hmm. And everybody like showed the fuck up and brought like wow. something that somebody wanted. Well, there you go. I think it just shows I'm cheap, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> no, then, then like, ah, screw it. Whatever. We're not friends anymore. <laughs> the asshole in the group brought like a $5 thing. And then like the person who got it was just like, I don't know what the fuck to do with this. Oh, <laughs> uh, was that you figuring out whether or not you should say this story right before you said it? <laughs> I was. And then I was thinking, I was like, oh, no, we don't talk no more. It's fine. Oh, <laughs> no, yeah. Because I. <laughs> I think you had a, like a mini spasm there where I was like, I don't know what's happening. I, I'm not Jaws friend anymore. <laughs> no, I had to debate whether or not it was like, all right, is this a safe story? Thought about it. Yeah, it's a safe story. I've had a few of those moments where I've like showed the podcast to a few close friends and then I'd be like, oh, fuck, wait, I might have talked about that person on this episode. <laughs> so yeah, so actually this person who I bought the gift for, she, her, I did rant about her boyfriend who I'm also fairly close with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, I am so sorry. I rant about him, but I was just like, I need to like vent. And she's like, it's totally fine. I know that he may rub people the wrong way, but then also like he and I, we are, what you call it. We always hash things out. If it's something that like upset us. Oh, that's good. And then we always come to terms. So it's great. It's fine. I also told her like, I'm so sorry. If you're going to hear that, she's like, don't worry about it. All right, cool. <laughs> I think my problem is I just don't remember a single thing we do on the podcast. Like some of the, it's getting hard to think of topics at this point. Cause I'm like, wait, did we already do that? So I don't know. I'm going to have to like really look in the archives to try to think of original shit. I but, mean, sometimes when I'm like, I'm trying to figure out like what I screwed up on or something. I don't know. Basically I just look at Pod, uh, Podbean, our main platform to see our yeah. episode list. Yeah, no, I should do that, but that's, you know, a whole like five clicks or something like that that takes a lot of work these days yeah yeah anyways all right on to our main topic what is events take it away buddy uh first i want to talk about our weeks let's do that quick <laughs> oh my gosh we had like i don't even know how long we've been talking <laughs> well i asked you how your week was going and then you went on for about five oh minutes. i'm sorry how was your week sir uh let's see my week's going okay um i'm really happy that all my tv goals are satisfied i'm really on track to see all the tv shows i wanted to see this year and that's a really fulfilling feeling (laughs) um other than that i think now the year's winding down uh, i'm trying to also hit 500 miles of running by the end of the year i'm at like 475 480 so very achievable then for you 
Oh yeah, totally. I'm trying to do like 15 miles on Christmas. I always do like Thanksgiving and Christmas. I always like doing big ass runs just to like feel like you've worked for it. You know, it's like a better feeling when you know you've worked for the food. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So we'll see. Um, yeah. Otherwise the TV shows, uh, I'll just run through the shit I've been binging. You can see if you've watched any of it. Um, Deadwood. That no. was a Western. You ever heard of that one? Uh, I think I've heard the headline, but I don't know what it is. Yeah, that's Timothy Oliphant. Um, it's on HBO. It was a long time ago. But goddamn, dude, I have never not understood a show more. This is like the most just like it's such a period piece and such a Western that they don't translate any of it. And it's just like them in their day to day. So like not making it obvious for the audience. It's like hard to keep up sometimes. You just don't know what's going on and kind of nothing happens. It's kind of like, oh, it's always like Western Down Abbey, I feel like, you know. Not sure if I'm familiar. Down Abbey? I don't yeah, know. No. I just, I just, that's always like the, that's this like British period piece people or some people used to like where uh, it was just like nothing happened. It was just people hanging out and drinking tea. <laughs> you're kind of show, right? I mean, depending on the plot, but at the same time, you're not exactly advertising it for me to like jump on board right now. <laughs> no, it really does not sound like you're kind of show. I don't know. I can't imagine you watching this show. Um, You'd be cultured. Yeah, you watch Sherlock. That's probably the closest. Dude, I've been watching Hannibal lately. Oh, yeah, I watched that. I binged all three seasons. And I was like, I want to cook. Really? That did not make me want to cook. That made me grossed out. It made me hungry. Wow. Well, we did take that sociopath test, remember, way back when? (laughs) I might have issues. I'm pretty sure you passed. Remember that? Yeah. Well, also, I knew the answer to it. Ah, okay. But you would have passed even if you hadn't known it. (laughs) Okay, the first time I took it, I didn't pass. The second time I took it, I was like, that's brilliant. (laughs) I swear I don't have issues. Yeah, it's possible. <laughs> I think yeah. we'll, let the, we'll let the listeners decide. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. Yeah, it's okay. an online poll. But uh, you're yeah, other... you're still alive. <laughs> yeah, because of Zoom. I think that's the main reason. If there wasn't COVID, I would have been dead a long time ago. But um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, other shows. Do you ever watch The Good Place? I heard about that. People told me that I might be interested in that. Yeah, I feel like you'd like it. It's very Parks and Rec, The Office kind of spirit uh brooklyn 99 kind of in that vein as well like silly comedy the same guy that produces the office and parks and rec did this one it's not they, they don't have the documentary inter- interview style but i don't know i feel like you would like it because it's about the afterlife and i know you you know you're you're pretty religious and like spiritual and things like that so it's like a comedy take on that mm-hmm. yeah i have heard about it i'll take a look uh i mean people have recommended it and people have said that they enjoyed it yeah it's silly but it's like well written um rick and morty i know you watch that right yes yeah, dude, that last season, I just watched season four. I'd like I hadn't heard much about it, but god damn, that shit, nothing cracks me up quite as much as Rick and Morty. That shit's too funny. Yes. I know I really do enjoy it, especially when they do go on the whole Rick like as when Rick goes on his like stories or like his little mini stuff, that's when I really do enjoy it. Yeah, you just got to love the cynicism of Rick's character, just being too smart for everything and just wanting to have a good time, not giving a fuck about anything, and just everyone always disappointing him and him somehow finding a way to make it better. It's just that's the person we all want to be, right? Um, maybe <laughs> that sounds like you, Joe. I feel like that's I feel like you could respect Rick. I respect him, he's a great. Yeah. <laughs> um, other than that, let's see. Fargo, that's a new show, or uh, you never watch Fargo, right? Heard of it. It's like that first show you mentioned, Deadwood, where it's like I've heard of it, but I don't know enough about it at all. Yeah, it's a, it was a movie in the 90s, and then they made it a TV show where it's not, it doesn't follow the movie, but it's like the same tone, and every season they have like different people. 
And basically it's just in this town in Fargo, Minnesota. It's just like bad things happen to good people. And then like bad people get involved. It just, I can't describe it. It's like a black comedy, but it's really unique. And I don't know. It's, it's good. It's all good. To it's say. good. Just watch it. It's brilliant. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, last one, I binged the uh, last season of Westworld. Uh, did you see that yet? Um, I gave up on it because it got repetitive. Yeah. In the sense kinda, of like the whole AI motif and I don't care enough for it. That's like, yeah, I kind of, the thing that bugs me that's repetitive is just, it feels like the twist is that everybody's a fucking robot. Like season three, not spoiler alert, kind of like characters that you didn't think are robots. You find out are robots. And I'm just wondering like, by the end of the show, is every fucking person on the planet going to be a goddamn robot? Like, is that the only twist they can pull out at this point? Like, are they going to start saying that robots you thought were robots are actually people? Like, I don't know. I'm just getting kind of tired of that. I feel like the the show for me lost its luster when they lost Anthony Hopkins for X amount of reasons. I mean, I don't so know. season two because he was only on season one, I think. Yeah, and so like for season one was like, what is this mystery? What is this issue that they're that's going on, right? And yeah, it was going on the whole motif of like AI are they souls? When they learn enough and they start genuinely making their own decisions, are they human? Are they in that cat in that discussion and season two was generally okay yeah no you have to make them in part of the discussion at this point yeah and so to me the whole ai story of like you the question of like are they human are they not okay we've done it with irobot we've done it i think we've mentioned it on the show this other video game that i mentioned the story-based video game that was super insanely popular we mentioned it for westworld yeah exactly i'm just kind of tired of that motif of like robots like asking what humanity is and then the whole twist always being like oh are the robots actually more human than us or the humans are like not even human anymore because they're so robotic blah 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 i don't know i'm just kind of tired of that but i don't know it was entertaining i guess the last season for they switched it up a little bit where they're out of the park they're like in this like current world so it looks super futuristic and they got aaron paul from uh breaking bad so i don't know oh they did oh, yeah nice. yeah so it wasn't the worst but um anyways yeah so moving on to uh topic um yeah, 2020, shit year, right? You know what would be great for 2020, Ja? I'd win the lottery. That, I guess, would be okay. Uh, assuming you divert, divert all the money into our podcast, right? The A good chunk of it, yes, will be used for stuff, yes. Advertising. <laughs> oh my gosh, no, I would literally put our company, or put our podcast as like a company and then use it as a tax write-off. Yeah, yeah, we could do that. Actually, yeah, no, at that point, it would be a lot easier and more legal, too. <laughs> That's true. Anyways, yeah, comebacks. <laughs> comebacks are what would make 2020 better. In addition to, ja, I guess, winning the lottery. Uh, comebacks. Comebacks are a beautiful story. You know, at, at, at least for me, who doesn't love a comeback story? You know, so the hero, the protagonist is down and out, and you think there's no way they can come back. And then uh, just against the odds, against like a, I don't know, 30 to 3 football game at halftime, the Patriots come back in 2017, whatever year that was, you know, comebacks like that. I mean, Everyone, you got to love them. Who doesn't love a good comeback story, right, Ja? Exactly. And then the one that I'm going to share is probably going to piss off a few people. Yeah, I think I know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> they all happen to be located in the Bay Area. We are going to be pissed oh, off. Oh, spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, that's correct, right? It's just yeah. Bay. Okay, thought so. Anyways, um, I just want to point out that the Dodgers and Lakers won in 2020. I just realized it's so funny that they won 2020, the most fucked up year. It would be so iconic that they win that year. No, it's because they understand that there's nothing to look forward to and to give a reason for people to look forward to. To look back That's on, 
you know what? Twenty twenty wasn't that bad a year. That's one interpretation. Because these teams also won. That's Thank one. Thank you, America. I mean, you're welcome, America. That's one interpretation, and it's called the wrong one because 2020 is just only a year so fucked up that both LA teams could win. That's how I'm going to interpret it. But anyways, I digress. <laughs> um, <laughs> so one seems salty. I just thought it was funny as I was on a run one day. I just that popped in my head. But anyways, yeah, come back. So uh, me and Jar are just going to talk about three either events or movies or um, just bands or anyone that had a big comeback, you know? Um, yeah. So you want me to get started, Jar, or you want to go? <laughs> um, I'll get started. Okay. I was, right. I'm trying to remember your list, and it's like, oh, I won't be a good order, actually. I, wrote I have my the- order. I wrote it on our podcast Excel sheet about two minutes before. <laughs> oh, okay. I feel pretty good about this first one. Um, ACDC, you know the band, right? Oh, I like them because of Iron Man too. Yeah, I was gonna say they're yeah they're all over that Iron Man and whatnot. Um, I, that's kind of crazy to me that a lot of people did hear them through Iron Man because to me they're like bread and butter like music growing up like you know what I mean like when you're I don't know in middle school or elementary school there's like there's got to be a rite of passage where you listen to ACDC for the first time in my mind you know. There, so there was a kid, um, there's a couple of people like, you know, the stereotypical, like I'm going to wear all black tight black jeans and then like spike my hair or like, that that was me in in middle school. Okay. Yeah. So that version of that in my high school, um, like, I think I knew who they were because of his clothing and band tees, but I never like looked into it. I was just like, all right, cool. Whatever. Like I just, I just didn't care, but it wasn't until later on where I, I developed something called a sense of identity and started exploring other music. And Iron Man 2 came out where I was like, oh, this is sick. Okay, fair enough. I dig it. Yeah, I'm still looking for one of those identity things. Let me know if I can, if you have any tips for how to find one. Um, honestly, it was more one of those things where it's like I kind of knew where always who I was, but then it was just like, oh, this is cool. I'm going to be part of it too. I'm like, I want to get into it too. All right, fair enough. Yeah. Um, yeah, so anyways, ACDC. Um, <laughs> yeah, also you sound super far away. Heads up. Oh, sorry. All right. Uh, yeah, ACDC. So to me, as a fan of rock and like, I don't know, I've always gravitated towards classic rock and the harder rock and metal and things like that and blues and uh, that kind of any guitar dominant music. ACDC is just as pure of a band as you can get. Yeah, I just think they have the most just straight up blues personified to 11 just kind of sound. Um I'm describing this really bad. Basically, they're the best classic rock band I think there is. Um, it's it's simple music, but it's not. It sounds simple, but then you try to play it, and it's actually some of the hardest music because of just how well they played and how much groove and feel there is to it. So, ACDC have always been one of the best bands in my mind. Um, and they started off with a singer named Bon Scott. Um, you probably heard songs like, let's see, um, Highway to Hell. You know that song, yes. right, Joe? Dirty Deeds Under Cheap. Yes. Yeah, so this first singer, Bon Scott, sang on that album and uh, those songs. And they were writing a lot of positive momentum through the 70s, you know, releasing an album almost every year. Not just that, but an album, like a lot of great, every album had a lot of great songs on it and uh, making more and more buzz. And um, in 1979, their last album, Highway to Hell, came out. And that was kind of, they were gradually getting bigger and bigger. And that was kind of a new plateau for them. And 1980 rolls around and they record a new album. And while recording, unfortunately, the singer Bon Scott um, was drinking one night and died due to uh, asphyxiation, you know, sleeping on your back while drinking alcohol and then throwing up that type of thing. Um, So rest in peace. Super sad. He was, you know, uh, just 
in the starting point of his career and could have gone on so much longer, just an iconic singer and just a great voice, great stage presence. So uh, that was hugely unfortunate. And I think a lot of people at that time thought like that the band was over because the singer was so associated with the sound and everything like that. It's kind of hard to imagine the sound without him, but the band kind of just automatically trudged on without even a thought of like retiring or anything. They found a new singer named Brian Johnson and Brian Johnson had a bit of a different style. He had more high-pitched vocals, like a little more extreme, uh, but also really worked for ACDC Sound. So um, they then recorded the album Back in Black, which to me is just so perfect because it's, I mean, it's called Back in Black. It's basically saying we're back. And the song itself is all about, you know, there's lyrics like, forget the hearse, I never died. It's just kind of a badass statement of just like, you can't, you know, you can't, get me away. I'm always going to be here. You know, I'll always come back. Um, and it just has like the most iconic badass kind of guitar rhythm along with it. So it's just the music and the lyrics kind of hitting this perfect moment and kind of looking meta at what the band is doing. They're basically like, they have this huge, hugely tragic moment with their first singer dying, but then they come back so strongly and have a song about coming back and also the sound itself being so great. So um, the whole album was like one of their best albums as well. It has a lot of other great iconic songs. It's like one of the best selling albums of all time. So I don't know. I just think a lot of people when they lose their singer think like they'll never come back or like how can this band ever be the same, especially when they're so beloved. So the fact that ACDC did it, I think it's easily the best like singer change um, or singer transition that you could possibly have. So yeah, comebacks. Yeah, no, I really do enjoy them. Uh, if I ever, I, I, I don't know. You mentioned earlier about the whole blues thing. I don't understand what that means, to be honest, because I'm, like, musically illiterate. <laughs> but then when it comes to, like, uh, the Back in Black album and such like that, it's like, I do enjoy classic American rock, in my opinion. Or actually, they're Australian. Classic rock, in general. Um, If I want to feel badass, I just play Back in Black. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it just has that groove. That Just the groove to it, just iconic. It just I've, Nobody says they hate Back in Black. You know what I mean? Like, if... If nothing else, it just doesn't speak to you. But, like, how can you hate that kind of music? It's so pure, perfect for what it is, you know? Oh, yeah, no. I'll probably listen to it later when I go and run some errands. But, yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. So, uh, cool. You want to go? All righty. My list. All right. So, one thing I want to bring up, famous basketball player who's also world's worst father, probably, Dwight Howard. For people who don't know who he is, he's a center for originally started his career as the Orlando Magic. Did super well, was probably like the next top player kind of thing, whatever. Um, and then he kind of had this um, stint where with a bunch of different basketball teams where he just wasn't performing as much. It was like he he wasn't really playing for, for much anymore. He was just bouncing around between different teams. He was a Laker at one point. And yeah, so his career kind of was like nobody wants him because he was not only was he kind of like being a mature uh professionally he was also immature in the locker room and so when people were playing with him it became very difficult whereas just like he's just being a child the entire time like there's one footage of like when somebody was giving him um treatment or something he pretended to like shove his face into his crotch like during something like that and it's Hmm. like dude come on like somebody was giving him like treatment and while they were giving him treatment he put his face in his crotch he, he kind of like took his hand grabbed his back of his head and like pushed his face towards his crotch kind of thing. oh you mean the person giving him treatment yeah i was thinking that he put his own head in his crotch i'm like this is a really weird image <laughs> yeah so it was just like that and, and it's like something like that we would do like when we were in high school but we don't really do that anymore after that right and 
So he, he was like, a lot of people didn't really want to sign him anymore because he was detrimental to the locker room as well. But then it wasn't until like most recently, um, Kobe gave him a recommendation. Hey, sign this guy again as a Laker. And so he became a Laker for a non-guaranteed contract. And then this is the year where Lakers won the championship. So I would say like this year was definitely a good comeback for his career because after that he became a little bit more marketable. He won a championship ring. And for him, his story was that like he made a promise that he wanted to win one in Orlando. And since the NBA bubble happened to be in Orlando, it was like, oh, he won one in the city again. And so for that, it was like, oh my goodness, he actually might be mature again. He might be, um, he's growing up. He's, he's, he's showing up now. And he's also like, he was actually very pertinent in helping us winning that, that ring this time around. I mean, there's been a lot of rumors of him being a terrible father and, and neglecting his children because he has like five, six, I lost count how many baby mamas with kids and such like that. Like there's one kid where he was in Orlando. He's like, yeah, he never visited me. He never he didn't say anything. So, yeah. I don't know what you think, Vince. One. Um, <laughs> so I'm not going to lie. We, me and John just had a technical difficulty. And the last thing he said was, what do you think? And I forgot exactly what he said before. That. <laughs> Dwight Howard, basketball player, terrible baby mama, father thingy, won a championship ring with Lakers. Oh, yeah. So I guess to add on is that like he was a Laker and then he came back again. So it was like another redemption story in that sense. So it was kind of like his career had a comeback. And so that and he won a ring in Orlando, the franchise where his team originally was at or is at. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, to be completely honest, I, I see what you're saying. I think that is a good comeback story, but I think sometimes hearing the details of like, he's a bad father doing things like that. Sometimes that sticks out to me. And that's like the only thing I can think of if somebody's kind of a piece of shit off the court. But like, if I heard that he like cleaned up his act and like got in touch more as a family man, I guess then, or like, I don't know, just seemed like a better person over time and like matured a bit, then that would kind of change it. But <laughs> I might be biased in that. I think I just think of if they're, bad person off the court in their personal life well i'm like well fuck them then you know yeah so definitely in this case it was very um his career was a comeback but then in terms of like his him as a parent yeah definitely could use some work um and it might mean some work i mean like a lot of damn work <laughs> but yeah well that being said if he had played for the warriors and been the exact same person and the exact same player i would have no problem and think he was a beautiful person <laughs> Oh, all right. You're number two, dude. All right, number two. Um, you've seen the Rocky movies, right, Jeff? I've seen one or two of them. Yes. All right, cool. Well, that's perfect because I think one or two of them is exactly what I'm talking about here. Because Rocky has about six movies, and uh, I think overall it's just a really great franchise. If you're looking to get pumped up, you know, if you want a good sports story, there's. I mean, it's one of the best, like all time. Any, if we're looking at any sport, I think Rocky's one of the best sports movies. Um. Definitely not realistic to boxing in any way. When you watch boxing, it seems a lot more boring, in my opinion, when you were raised on the Rocky movies and thinks that think that's how, like, two people actually box. Uh, but, yeah, I think throughout the Rocky movies, there's at least two movies that come to mind that are really good, like, comeback stories. So um, the just to kind of do a quick run-through of each one, the first one, you know, the whole theme is that he's a one-in-a-million shot. Um, the world champ, he's, like, a kind of – not doing anything with his life boxer. He's not living up to his potential. He's kind of doing some illegal like loan sharking, uh, kind of being the thug for them kind of stuff. 
and uh, just kind of not living up to his potential as a boxer. And then he gets this million to one opportunity. The world champion named Apollo Creed um, says that he wants to give a Rocky Balboa a chance to fight him, a chance of the title. And the whole thing is nobody expects that he'll do. Um, nobody expects that he'll like last more than a round because, you know, he's fighting the world heavyweight champion. And then the whole thing is that he goes the distance and lasts all 15 rounds and is making Creed actually sweat and is tired, etc. And, um, you know, that was the movie that really set it on the map. But Rocky 2 for me is actually the one I like the most. And I think Rocky 2 is the comeback story that I'm thinking of in this case because the whole movie is basically a rematch. And the, what's interesting about the movie to me is because on a few different levels. So his wife and his like trainer don't want him to box because they think that he well They're just his wife is worried about his like health. She thinks he's going to she's in he's in jeopardy if he keeps boxing. It's it's dangerous. And then his trainer thinks he's like uh, he's not in condition anymore because his eyes a little injured. He thinks he's not he can't he thinks it's going to be too much of a liability if he boxes. But the champion is just like vehement. He wants to like fight uh, Rocky again because he's he feels embarrassed. He feels like the world thinks that he's a sham, that he's no longer a good champion. Because if anyone can come off the street and go the distance with him, then he's not a real champion. So the whole movie just vehemently focused and just wants a rematch and angry and pissed. And Rocky has got his head in other places. He eventually does decide to do the rematch, but he's kind of being weighed down because he feels like his wife isn't supporting him, so he can't get fully into it. Um, so in the third act, when he ultimately does have a turning point and kind of um, feels like he's his family life is good again and like starts training again, goddamn, nothing makes me cry more than <laughs> watching the training the training montage. Like to me, that's like the shit that gets me so hyped and amped up, and then. The fight itself, um, when it happens, I think is so unique. The music is just this really great, um, epic, um, apocalyptic-sounding orchestra and classical music. And um, the the thing about this fight that's interesting, too, is that Apollo Creed is beating the shit out of Rocky like more than he did the first one, the entire, like, all 15 rounds, pretty much. And Rocky's just, like, withstanding it and staying up and getting, like, for every, like, 20 hits Apollo gets on him, he gets, like, one but uh, the cool thing is that by the end, he just like same thing sticks, stays with it all the way to the uh, 15th and final round. And then in the 15th round, he like eventually starts punching back and like really kind of like makes it look like he's doing a comeback. And then the very last scene, um, they're both like staggering and then Rocky lands one last punch and then they both go down on the ground and they're kind of um, on the ground at the very final moment and they're both trying to get up and then the refs counting 10 or one, you know, to 10. And uh, they're both, you both in slow motion, see them trying to get up and it just gets you so into it. Like just wanting like one person to get up and wondering what's going to happen. And then, you know, at the very last moment, spoiler alert, you can probably imagine Rocky is the one that gets up with like one second to count. So I don't know. To me, that's like one of the purest comeback stories there is. I think what I like about Rocky is that, well, the backstory also behind it was that at the time, um, Sylvester Stallone was down on his luck, and this was everything he had left yep. uh, with the whole Rocky movie, and it really put him on the map. It really put him like, hey, I'm going to have like a successful future now, and I think in that sense, like this movie also brings that extra layer of comeback. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. And that was, I mean, this is basically his breakthrough. <laughs> Before, I think he did, like was in a few porns. <laughs> Oh, interesting. Okay. Well, that's something I don't want to look up. <laughs> Are you then, kidding? I'm looking up that right after this podcast. No. Um, 
No, what's got it? He told a funny story or kind of nice story too. But uh, he said the first time he like premiered the first Rocky movie when he was like before it was confirmed that it was going to be like a hit. He played it for an audience, and then like he felt like the audience weren't reacting to the right parts. You know, like when there was a laugh, they weren't laughing. When there was a nice moment, they weren't like you know, awe or anything like that. And then like by the end of the movie, like nobody clapped or anything like that. And his mom was like next to him in the theater. And then he literally just thought he was like, well, that's it. I'm, I guess I'll go back to doing a day job. He's like, I had my chance and that was it. It didn't work out. And uh, he's like saying to his mom, he's like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And then he walks out of the theater and then everybody that was in the theater is like there and like standing and waiting for him and claps. Like they all waited till like after to like clap for it or something like that. And then <laughs> he like turns to his mom and he's like, mom, how could you have ever doubted me? I don't know. I thought that was kind of a nice story. Dang, if I was him at that point, I'd just be bawling. I don't know how I would respond. <laughs> I'm bawling almost talking about it. That's a pretty, I don't know, that's heavy, you know? Yeah, no, I would just, like, honestly just be, like, I don't. I do not know how I would mentally process that. But, yeah, no, with the whole Rocky movie, I do enjoy that he didn't win the first time. And then they gave him a, a tougher struggle in the second time. Because oftentimes you have that feel-good movie, or, like, any movie, really, where either the person gets totally and utterly destroyed or the um the the protagonist wins but in this case obviously it wasn't that case it was actually like hey he's not going to get it actually he's not going to come out on top and then for number two it was like all right we'll give you a chance but we're gonna beat the living ever shit out of you first (laughs) yeah yeah his face looks so gross by the end of the second one his face just looks like a piece of raw meat he's so beaten and bloody and shit but uh no i totally agree yeah i think yeah, it makes it almost real. It makes it a lot more realistic too with the first one, because like any bad writer could say, okay, a guy gets a one in a million chance to fight the champion. Uh, we're gonna write that he wins. You know what I mean? Like it makes it too easy and kind of unrealistic. So the fact that he just goes the distance and that's the significant part, I think, is like good writing in my part, my mind. Yeah, I think this time around, like it, it worked really well and it was amazingly splendid, splendidly done. Yep, exactly. All Anyways, right. your turn. My second one I'm going to say is um, movie franchises and just because you gave one for Rocky. And so for me, it's that like, I'm a big nerd. Everyone knows that. And people have already heard my concerns about like really how X-Men was done. And I'm, I'm honestly not a big fan of it just because it's one of those things where it's like, they took too much creative liberties and taking a look at like the, they can't do the third movie right ever. Like X3 or um, Dark Phoenix, all that flopped did horrible and then there's also the uh logan sagas or the wolverine standalone movies where people they made money only because hugh jackman was amazing and people like him yep but in terms of the actual story it was actual garbage and flaming dumpster fire and with logan i think that was like it's redemption that was like it's people use a lot of different creative words i don't remember what they use now but anyways they described it as amazingly wonderful and with logan that was it um it was a great send-off and though i wouldn't say it was a comeback because um well there's no more movies after logan but at the end of the day it was like all right from like crap to amazing and that was pretty much what logan was and to this day whoever robbed i don't even remember because i don't want to look it up i'm too lazy to whoever robbed logan of its prize of best film of the year fuck you you can rot in hell but yeah and so yeah, that's pretty much how I feel about the movie. I agree. I think I think it. it so you're right that it didn't have any movies after it because the whole thing is that it's supposed to be you know the last kind of movie for Wolverine. But um, it is kind of a comeback in that the first one was so bad 
<laughs> that by default, if you love a character like Wolverine and it starts off on a bad note, you want to see him do well. And I think that's 100% what Logan was. So, so with the whole Logan movie, I think that in this sense is like a big comeback because for me, it's it re-brought the X-Men franchise again and saved it in a Dark Phoenix ran it back into the ground again. Um, Yeah, it sucks that they had to end with Dark Phoenix. You know what I mean? If they had ended with Logan, that would have been perfect. Yeah, and then, then it becomes a whole Disney transition. But you know what? Oh, I mean, if you want to throw in the new Mutants movie, but because of the <laughs> pandemic, people forgot that it even existed. Yeah, that was the only other movie playing in theaters besides Tenet every time I would see a movie theater nearby. Yeah, I heard it didn't do so well. I'm trying to watch it right now, and I'm pretty bored, but I'm only like 25 minutes into the movie. Wow. It's got the it's got an interesting cast. It's got the chick from Queen's Gambit and uh, the chick Arya Stark and um, the kid from Stranger Things. I don't know. Not a bad cast, but it just sucks when talent's wasted like that, I guess, you know? Yeah, so like I don't know exactly how that turned out at the end of the day, like I didn't look into it, but I did hear it was bad. My brother enjoyed it. I'm going to give it a try. That's pretty much it. But no, so that's where I feel with Logan. And yeah, should have won best movie of the year. Screw everybody else. Well, you can say, you can thank Moonlight. That was the movie that apparently won. <laughs> what the fuck is that? That was the same. Do you remember that year at the Oscars? That was the year that um they announced that it was La La Land. And then they're like, wait, sorry, my bad. It was Moonlight. Did you hear about that? No. Oh, that sounds familiar. But I'm looking at this. I'm like, what the fuck is this? It had Mahershala Ali. You know that guy? He was... uh. Oh, yeah. He's in a lot of, like, Netflix-type stuff. Yeah, he's going to be Blade. So there you go. <laughs> uh, show one. No, I never saw it. People said Moonlight was pretty goddamn good that I talked to. So I don't know. I, I tried watching once, and I was a little bored. So I just stopped. But It's I'm probably sure... one of those artsy-fartsy movies. That's the only reason why I won. And Logan was an artsy-fartsy movie. And it's like... <laughs> You biased motherfuckers. It was artsy fartsy for Marvel. <laughs> or yeah, it yeah. was. Yeah, exactly. All right, cool. Um, last one for me. Um, was there anything else you want to say about Logan or was that it? Uh, that's pretty much it. All right, cool. So last one. Um is another music one. Uh, a little more kind of weird soap opera story, a little bit, but uh you ever heard of a band called Anthrax? <laughs> oh. Yes, I've heard of Anthrax. No, they're not soap opera. <laughs> well, the story that I'm about to tell is a little weird. So, okay. So Anthrax, do you know the Scott Ian? Did you ever watch VH1 as a kid? Yes. All right. Uh, if you Google Scott Ian now, I'm curious if he looks familiar at all to you. He's on a lot of those VH1 kind of interview things that they used to have. Like, I love the 80s. I love the 70s. Like, all those things. Scott Ian, right? Yep. He's got a chin beard, bald dude. Yeah, I don't recognize him, but he's got, yeah, he's got a very interesting beard. <laughs> he has a pretty unique chin beard i dig it um anyways he a lot of people know anthrax is the band that he's in because he was on vh1 a lot and he does a lot of those things but anthrax are one of my favorite metal bands they're kind of like similar to metallica and slayer and that they all started in the 80s and uh you know we're there's a thing in thrash metal um which is basically punk meets classic metal called um the big four and uh the big four is metallica slayer megadeth and anthrax and they're basically just considered the best in the, like the most innovative of thrash metal that really kind of led the charge in the 80s and anthrax were one of my personal favorites um and but the thing is they've had a pretty tumultuous career um this is where the soap opera part comes in so i'm gonna try to make this quick but uh basic rundown so they start out um and they have a when they first start getting famous they have a singer named joey belladonna so joey belladonna is the 
singer in the 80s and he has a higher pitch voice so that that's kind of what makes him stand out because a lot of singers are more gruff or couldn't really sing and he could actually hit the high notes and had a more classical kind of singing voice um and that's that's kind of when they write all their like famous songs in the 80s that's kind of when they make the songs that are most remembered as anthrax um but in the 90s uh like early 90s you know grunge nirvana takes uh starts getting more popular so trends in metal kind of change too so like the high uh, high-pitched singer isn't really valued as much they like more gruff like deeper singers were kind of sought up sought more after and the the one of the songwriters who writes the lyrics was like writing trying to writing darker stuff because he was going through like divorce and things he wasn't happy with and he just felt like his words weren't being accurately represented by this voice the higher pitch voice that couldn't hit the darker notes so he's like writing this darker stuff and he just felt like his words weren't being voiced correctly by this person or like they just didn't fit the emotion that he was looking for. So he eventually just said like, look, it's either him or me. Like I can't keep writing like this. And it wasn't any personality conflict. It was just, he just wasn't satisfied with the guy's voice anymore. So they kick him out. Um, and then they get another singer named John Bush. And so John Bush is the singer in the nineties for them. And John Bush has a much more gruff voice. He's a lot more guttural. Um, but so yeah so they get john bush in the 90s so joey Baldana was the 80s john bush was the 90s and the only, the thing is i think they were happy with john bush and feeling good in the 90s but they were making music that wasn't as popular in the 80s so it's kind of that catch-22 of like you're making the music that you want more at the time but it's not as popular and um and after about 10 years they uh, they had this idea from their record uh, label to kind of do a reunion tour so they what they were going to do was have joey uh come back the 80 singer come back and john would also still be the singer but they would have both singers kind of on the tour but uh john wasn't feeling that and he didn't want to do it and the band were kind of pressured to do it because they had some financial obligations and they thought this could make money so ultimately john said i'm not going to do it um so <laughs> they basically just did a reunion tour with joey because because of money basically and then they thought, okay, when the reunion tour is over, we'll have John back in the band, the 90s singer. But then John's like, uh, no, I, I, I don't feel right coming back in after this. And then Joey, so they're like, okay, well, maybe. One. Yeah, so Joey wouldn't come back. So at this point, they're just out of a singer <laughs> just because they did a reunion tour um, that just somehow ended up in losing both of their singers that they had. So. Um, at this point, they look for a new singer and they then find another guy named Dan Nelson, who was an unknown singer. He wasn't like in a band at the time and they are all set to do a new album with him. But then at last minute, he uh, is apparently a drama queen and being like really difficult to deal with. So they fire because <laughs> they just like can't actually like proceed with him. He's that difficult to deal with. And then they're out of a singer again and they have this like new album they've been working on. They've been sitting for like 10 years, but they just don't have a singer to sing it on. And they have these shows to play. So then they get John, they ask John Bush if he can, the 90s guy, if he can sing for them again. And he does it for a little bit. And then there's this like speculation is he going to be the singer again? And then some silence happens. And then ultimately, Joey <laughs> is like confirmed as the singer again. So it's like a done deal. Joey is officially back in the band now. So they went from Joey to John to Joey to no one to John to Joey, <laughs> the 80s singer. Um, and basically a very long-winded story uh, trying to say that Joey was the singer that I first got into. And I think he was like the voice of Anthrax that I liked the most. So when he finally came back in the band and like had this band had went through all this shit that took so long. And when he finally 
um, did release that album with him and you hear the vo- his vocals on that album. It literally gave me goosebumps. It was just such a good feeling to hear his voice after, you know, 10 plus years of him not being the singer and like all the changes they made as a band, hearing him back with the band. That was uh, one of my favorite things. And uh, he's been with the band since, so it seems like they're doing good now. But um, yeah, long comeback story, but that was the soap opera. <laughs> I just want to say that I'm very confused. <laughs> yeah and then we'll leave it at that (laughs) yeah i can't blame you it's a it's a long story anyways yeah it's a good comeback though that's the uh bottom line hey you know what i'm glad that you're enjoying the band and i'm glad that you're able to reliving them now in this capacity thanks ja i appreciate it that's why when i was saying it i kept emphasizing the names i'm like i don't know if they'll remember (laughs) anyone will remember this so joey 80s john 90s so anyways your turn I'm going to be real with you. I don't remember what you said. <laughs> <laughs> Most people don't. I don't even remember it, honestly. But uh, yeah, your turn. <laughs> All So my next one, my next bit, I'm going to say it's the, um, was it 2017, 2016? You have to remind me, Vince. When was this again? Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what I'm talking what? about? Oh, your bullshit topic? I don't know. My bullshit topic? You mean <laughs> I think it was 16. The best comeback ever? <laughs> in bullshit. NBA history? Because Draymond can't fucking keep his feet from kicking other people's balls. I think that's what that you That just sounds like excuses. <laughs> um, alrighty, so this is the, whatchamacallit? What is this again? Alright, so NBA, I think 2016 where... You hyped it up so much and then you're like, what am I talking about? <laughs> I started stretching. I was like, oh man, stretching feels amazing. <laughs> oh, I forgot what I was supposed to say. Um, I feel like we're bit ba- we're basically done with your your version, right? That's wait, no, that's the whole story, right? <laughs> uh, I think it's 2016. It's 2016, yeah. Yeah, 2016, NBA Finals, the underdog team, the Cleveland Cavaliers, with led by LeBron James, who is now currently a Laker, who's won us 2020 championship. I believe this is probably one of the more memorable NBA Finals, regardless of anybody's biasness is the fact is that like LeBron James did lead a um I mean they did have a salt they did have a very strong team but against a very overwhelmingly favorite team the Golden State Warriors um, yeah. because they were just hot off a win uh, the year before that and 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 that regular season they had won on like a crazy winning streak do you remember that oh yeah it was like what 73 and 9 and so they beat the original um Michael Jordan's 72 and 10 best record of the year best yeah best record of the season and so they had beaten that. And now the only way to really cement this in NBA history now is to win that championship, to say that that was basically perfect. And yeah. so that becomes a question of like, all right, well, because they had lost in the NBA finals, that 73 and nine win, which is objectively like better than Michael Jordan's 72 and 10 season. It, at the end of the day, it doesn't amount to anything now because they didn't win that championship. So they had a lot going in. They were the favorites. They were basically like, if you're, it was David and Goliath. It was literally pretty much David and Goliath um, in this sense. And so, but, and so it made things even worse or better, I guess, depending on whose perspective you're looking at, is where Warriors then became, they're winning by 3-1. And in NBA history, nobody has ever come back from a 3-1 deficit. When you say worse, that doesn't sound worse to me. That sounds amazing. <laughs> well, like worse in the sense of like... If you're a Cavs fan. Oh, I, I was going to say... 
like worse in the sense of like if you're a Warriors fan because like oh now it's like you're putting us higher and higher on that pedestal. Oh and yeah. Now it's okay. like oh shoot, once you knock us down, that fall is going to hurt even more, and that's pretty much what happened. Yeah. Um, well, it's true. Yeah. So it was kind of like depending on what perspective you're kind of looking at, um, or best in case of like Warriors because then it's like wow that story because anyways so they had led they had rallied and led and come back from that basically broke records history and became the first team in nba finals to come back with from a three and one deficit because at that point the warriors had three chances to win and they blew all three chances so statistically even then it is it's a very low statistic for them to for the Cavs to even come back at that point but they did yep um and so it was and to add to that story, it was LeBron James winning Cleveland's first championship. And so it was, a, it was very memorable. So I believe that in history, this is probably one of the more memorable championships, no matter whose side you're on, if you're to look at it. I don't know. I think it's pretty forgettable. I, I really forget it. <laughs> Nothing memorable to me. It seems pretty boring. I don't know. Don't you think? <laughs> I don't know. I think it's um just right. I don't know. It's, it's I just happened to be in the Bay at the time, and I was just like, oh, he won. Good Were you also him. in the Bay the next year and the year before when the Warriors won? <laughs> I mean, most yes. of the NBA don't care about them winning at that point. Yeah. Well, I have to say, so I have a few thoughts on this. One, there's a guy I used to work with uh, at the time who, when they were three and one, who said it specifically, it's over. They have it. And I'm not even going to jinx it. I'm just, it's over. So I exclusively blame him because that. <laughs> We all know exactly what happened right after that happened. So I think it's entirely his fault. It's not any playing of the Warriors or anything good about LeBron. Secondly, I like how you said David and Goliath. I'm sorry, but Goliath is any team LeBron is on. That guy is too good. <laughs> That's the Goliath. I'm going to look up like the statistics of like the Golden State Warriors of winning the championship that year. Yeah, I mean, okay. Yeah, technically with how good they were doing, that could. I think that was more like David is killing it and then Goliath is just like, He's he should be worried. That's how I think of it. And then Goliath just happened to still win. <laughs> At the start of the playoffs, Golden State has a seventy-five point three percent chance of winning. That's only a C. That's an average. That's an average grade. Seventy-five <laughs> percent chance of winning the LeBron's NBA still, Finals. LeBron still Goliath. Um, but uh, I don't know, man. Ball don't lie. Stats don't lie. Vegas don't lie. <laughs> Well, one thing that also made it like even harder to deal with was the fact that the Warriors came back from a three and one deficit against the OKC right before. Do you remember that? Oh yeah. So I mean, before I get and start shitting on Kevin Durant, um, no. So they that the added really more even to their rhetoric to the story that Warriors had a lot also on the line because they were one of the first few teams that came come back from a. It was very very rare at that point. Now it's like freaking handing out like candy where teams came back from three and one in general. And so they had their backs against the wall and they won. And then, so they're coming out hot. They're coming out strong. Um, And actually a lot of the analysts right now have like said at this point, is it better to have a six, seven game series versus having a sweep? Because some, depending on like the matchups and everything, sometimes it is better coming off of a six game, six, seven game series because these players are still ready, they're still effectively kind of warmed up. Yeah, they do need an extra day one to hurt to rest up, but you have a team who may have swept and they're coming in like, okay, they had a week off. They have they haven't really been doing much. They're they're not as warmed up. And so and then they've seen teams where they do better. 
especially this past series, this past season, where teams were coming off from six and seven games and they were doing pretty good. Yeah, I see that. Um... So, yeah, so that year, a lot of people definitely was ruined for the Warriors and seeing how, like, they're going against the OKC Thunder, they're going against the behemoths that is uh, Westbrook and Kevin Durant the year before he decided to uh, switch teams. And so the Warriors coming in were like, yeah, no, they, they had a 7-3-9 right. win, and then they're coming back from a 3-1 deficit. Even more to that story and even more sweeter for them once they do win that championship. Yeah. I was going to say, too, do you remember uh... – I don't know how much you keep up with football. Do you remember in the Patriots, they had one season where they had like a perfect regular season and then they lose to the Giants in the Super Bowl? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like that, I feel like. That's basically the Warriors version of that. It's almost the exact same thing. Perfect regular season, and you think it's all like groomed and they're going to obviously win the championship or Super Bowl, and then at last minute, nope. Yeah, so I, I think that would be a very good comparison. Yes, I would agree. Yeah. Do you like the Patriots or Tom Brady? Nah, fuck them. <laughs> All right, so this is the same same kind of case, even more so, because that's probably how you feel about the Warriors. Although, a certain Jeremy Lin is going to the Warriors. Did you hear that? Oh, no, he debunked it like 15 minutes later. But 15 minutes later, he said it was actually true. Did you hear that? Nah, it's not true. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. No, my friend told me that, but I didn't actually know that it wasn't true. Well, how would you feel if Jeremy Lin went to the Warriors? Um, Honestly, I'm just kind of like... Because the NBA is so tough, and especially since given his position and his ethnicity, he's not exactly going to be favorited really anywhere. And so as long really as he finds a team, that's all I can ask for. Okay. Because <laughs> that's, huh? that's pretty uh, low standard, just to find any team. I mean, he's always going to be on a team though, right? I mean, he's still in his prime of his career. Or not prime maybe, but like still good enough to be on a team, right? I mean, that's the thing is that NBA is just that competitive. Mm. So there's just a lot – there's a lot of group – good players also that are not in teams. And so that kind of plays into the whole crap. It's, it's going to be difficult to find something um, at the end of the day. Like I, is he good enough to be in the NBA? Absolutely. Is he good enough to be a starter? Maybe on like two teams. Is he good enough to be on a bench? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> well, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I will say too, with the Warriors, I also, one thing, to be fair, I don't like that they kind of had a, if you can't beat them, join them attitude with Kevin Durant. You know, I thought they were too stacked the next year. So when they did beat the Cavs, it was nice the next year, but it was also like, it would have been nice if they didn't have to get Kevin Durant to do this, you know? Yeah. So it's like, I mean, I'm not, that's, that's an entirely separate discussion that we can have for sure. But at the end of the day, it, the, the Warriors then were heavily, heavy, heavy favorites whenever Kevin Durant was on the team. Yeah, true. It's funny how different we see this because I see that comeback as like like the Warriors even being that good against LeBron. I'm like, LeBron is the person that people are making a comeback against because that guy's so good and like so known as like the guy, you know what I mean? But mm -hmm. I also see, yeah, it technically is a comeback. I guess anyways, anyways bullshit. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> so one song's jealous. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I got to say. But uh, anyways, come back. Five-peated. Five-peated? What? So if you think about it, um, if he, if LeBron didn't come back that year, that would have been back-to-back. -back. And then the year after, you guys picked up Kevin Durant. And that was another two two wins. And then the fifth year, the only reason why – you guys could have taken on Toronto, but you guys yeah. were injured. So at the end of the day, y'all lost that 
three-peat that season. So, but things happened. Y'all missed out on a five-peat. That's funny. I never looked at it that way. The fact that we had three, I'm like, that's good enough. I'll take, I'll take three. <laughs> three is a nice number. That's like when the Giants had 2010, 2012, 2014. Good enough for me. I was trying to tell my friend, like, hey, you guys didn't win this even year. He's like, that's fine. That means we win every year now. And then they proceeded to suck more, more and more each year. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Like I said, 2020 was such a fucked up year. I'm just, that's, I'm, if any LA teams could win, that's the year I'm happy they did. 2021, that's when shit's getting real, man. Nah, we'll see. We'll see uh, unless the pandemic shuts it down again. No, anyways, honest, I bet Lakers are going to win 2021 anyway. So I don't even. Yeah, <laughs> they're they're astronomic, astronomically heavy favorites this time around. So that means if they lose, then we can do another comeback episode, and I'll just only talk about that. <laughs> Depending on which team wins. Um, yeah. Alrighty. All so right. Yeah. So I think that's it, right? We're we're good. <laughs> so thank you for listening to the Underpaid and Underqualified podcast show with your host, John Vince. We will be back eventually. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. I don't know when we're going to be back on. I think we can do one more before the year's over, right? I'll like- figure it out. Yeah, maybe next week or the weekend after. I don't know. Anyways, uh, thank you for listening. Hope you feel motivated. Go Warriors. Fuck uh, LeBron. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Eh. Eh. I just hate it. All right, bye. <laughs>